All right, hour two, we come to you on this Easter morning. Happy Easter to everybody. We're coming to you live from, well, our version of the uh, Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. These are challenging times, and Rocket Mortgage is prepared to help. If you need mortgage assistance, contact their team 24-7 at rocketmortgage.com. From their home to yours, the team at Rocket Mortgage is with you and there to help you. Uh, so, and hey, everybody needs a little help with this, with what's going on in the world right now. Uh, Scott Pioli's longtime NFL executive, uh, mainly with the Pats, but with other teams too, uh, multiple-time NFL executive of the year, and he joins us now. Scott, welcome. How are you? Good morning, Mike. I'm doing well, thanks. Happy Easter to you. Happy Easter to you, too. Thank you. Uh, and uh, obviously, there's a very different uh, Easter morning. You know, we, we've, the last couple of weeks, we've talked um, about the draft and about all the different little subtle things, the GMs complaining and the IT. Uh, you know, and this week, I was talking with a couple of folks who were on the show, Scott, and they were talking about how uh, they've all tried to settle on limited IT issues because people have said there's just some things that they don't feel the connections can handle this year, that there's going to be so many things that are normal to the draft that they technologically just can't do this year. Right, right. And I think it's, you know, Mike, what it comes down to is uh, this is going to be game day for GMs and head coaches or whoever the decision makers are in pulling the draft. And what all great leaders want to do, Mike, is eliminate distractions, right? How many times have we heard that? Great coaches, great leaders, what they do for the performers is eliminate distractions. So I think this has been a really important time. The last week, the, la- the, the coming week, will be in tor- important times for teams and the, the decision makers to figure out what are they comfortable with, what are they not comfortable with, Get be, you know become temporary experts on those things. This way they can make the decisions and do all the stuff that they need to do. Again, there's going to be 32 teams with simil- that are under the same rules, the same circumstances, and uh, the good teams are preparing for this, and the the good leaders are preparing for this. And are there going to be some uh, minor glitches? Are there going to be some issues? Absolutely. But you know, as you when you, when you just settle down and think about things like this, it, it's you know, coaches have headsets go out in the middle of games, right? Coaches have to go into games where they've got four or five of their starters injured, and they still have to play on Sunday, right? They're not going to play a makeup game. So this is, you know, that old saying, this is what it is, and um, it's going to be difficult, and life is difficult for everyone right now, so it'll be interesting, but um, I really don't think the ratio in terms of hit and miss in this draft is going to be significantly different than it is in any other draft, Mike. Scott, do you think, though, teams will will lock in their trades earlier than they might have been in the past just because they won't have as much chance to, to chat with people as, as readily as they had in past years? Would they maybe lock in some of these trades, even one as early as, say, a trade that might involve top of the draft for two or something like that? There's been all talk about how many teams might be involved in that. Do you think they might lock them in earlier just because of the idea of not wanting to wait until the, 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 when they're on the board? Well, Mike, you bring up a great point, and I don't know if they actually lock in, but to your point, I think teams head pretty far down the road. Here's what I learned in, in, in all my years of sitting in draft rooms and being involved in trades myself, but also you know, when I was a youngster, when I was a slappy and, and learning my way and watching you know, other really good personnel people and coaches that were making those decisions engage in trades. To me... Most of the best trades and the smartest trades happen when there was a lot of time left on the clock. Where things get 
get out of control is when someone tries to get too cute. When someone's trying to over leverage one team, there, you know, some people know how to do business. Some people don't know how to do business. And if you're going to do business in this league, the, the, the best way to do it is to do a trade where I, I'm not a big fan of the word win or the phrase win, win, but don't take advantage of someone. Right? So I think if teams do exactly what you're saying, and I think some teams are doing that right now because they understand the rules of engagement going into this draft that there isn't going to be much time, and then you have to be smart as a team that, listen, if there's only five, when it gets down to five minutes, that's our cutoff point. We are not going to do any business, any trades when there's less than five minutes. So if you're a team that's looking to trade up, I think you, you have to let teams know the trade conversations are going on now. You need to let teams know what your club's rules of engagement are going to be. So if you tell Team X, hey, listen, we're interested in doing this trade, but we have to know by five minutes, don't get cute, don't plot, try to play games, don't hold something out until the last minute, and then expect that there's going to get a trade done, this is our time for, for doing business. And that's what smart teams will do. And I think there will be enough people collaborating and being respectful of one, enough, one another in order to get business done. You know, um, we're talking about Scott Pioli, the longtime uh, Patriot uh, front office executive and other teams uh, that he has worked with in the, around the league and also someone who's been around the league for a very long time. Um, Love has gotten a lot of attention now. Uh, quarterbacks always get a lot of attention, but there's always that one quarterback who comes from the school off the beaten path who all of a sudden gets a ton of attention before the draft, and the fans hear, oh, this team's in, that team's in, eight teams are in, ten teams are in. The guy this year who fits that bill is Love. Love is getting that attention now as we get close. We're ten days away, and now all you hear about is, oh, Jordan Love can be this, he could be that. He could be the steal of the draft. He could be this, he could be that. <laughs> How about Jordan Love? Well, that's good agent work right there, right? The agents yep. do a great job of that, and that's what they should be doing. And, you know, he's, he, he's similar to, to Josh Allen a couple of years ago, right? You talk about the quarterback off the beaten path. Wyoming, is a, yes, it's a major college and a major conference, but, you know, not a whole lot of people like to make that trip, and um, it's not a priority school. But this is a very similar situation with a similar type player. I'm not, I'm not talking performance-wise, but as you say, reputationally, and the number of people that have gotten to see him live and spend, and spend time with him. And, you know, he's a guy who I've seen. You know, it's funny, this group of quarterbacks, Mike, that, that are coming out this year, uh, fortunately, even though I didn't work for an NFL club this past season, I had the time to see at least four of these guys um, that are the alleged top picks in person during school visits. Love is the one person that I didn't get to see in person, which forced me to watch a little bit more tape on him. And he's a very intriguing player because he's, he leads well. He has really good tools. He throws the ball well. He can clearly make all the throws in the league uh, that are necessary. I think the biggest question mark right now is quarterback seems to be the one position that teams like to spend more in-person time with right and and as much as i've been um pushing back on some of the people that are that are concerned about not having enough time to process um all the information for the draft and have enough in-person meetings this is the one position that's really important because this is going to be the leader of your team and you want to see what kind of person he is what he's going to be like to deal with how he can lead people and he is absolutely going to be the wild card in this quarterback draft for sure mike
All right, as someone who's had a lot of success like you have, let's ask what's fact and fiction here for the fans, okay? Because they see a lot of this, and the people, they can, the fans love the draft. I mean, they do. They, they're, they're diehards about the draft. They love the intricacies of the draft. They see, they hear about the quarterback taking the psychological tests and taking all the different tests. Oh, he got a, he got a this on his wonderlick. He got this on his one. How important is the testing for you with quarterbacks? Well, here's the thing, Mike. I, there's, all of these things are weighted. Do I want a player that's intelligent? Yes. But I do know this over time that you know, standardized testing does not reveal a person's intelligence um, overall. To me, what the bigger factor is, do I want to see a strong test score? Yes. Do I need to see genius test score? No. Whether it's the Wonderlick or whether it's one of the other, we've developed so many different, again, tests. As we've learned, standardized testing is biased towards certain groups of people that come from certain backgrounds, socioeconomically, um, you know, so there are some biases within that. To me, Mike, what's most important about the intelligence of a quarterback is their ability to make quick decisions that are right under duress, right? And what I mean by that, I've, I can't tell you how many quarterbacks I've seen go up on a board you ask them the right to play, and they sit there on the board, and they tell you everything, everything about that play against every coverage, every nuance, every blitz, every protection. They know everything, right? It's like it's different but similar to the really smart college professor that has all of this genius within their mind, but they can't communicate it and they can't execute it. It's, this, it's a similar thing with quarterbacks. So is the board work overrated? If you know, you hear about the board work now with these guys. Oh, the guy went to the board and he did this, he did that. Is the board work overrated? I don't know if it's over. Again, Mike, it's not. Some people do overrate it. Yes, it is overrated by some people. Is it a part of this overall? Again, I call it this overall mosaic of all of these little pieces that you're putting together to get the big picture of the the player. But to me. What it comes down to, again, so many players can, can sit there and talk a great game, but, you know, what's that old saying? Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Yep. And that's what happens to these quarterbacks. I mean, they're not just hit. You know, we see these hits on TV and a guy gets knocked to the ground. The impact, these guys literally have to stand in there, deliver the ball, with, make a decision within a split second, deliver the ball, knowing that they're literally going to be hit in the mouth, under the chin, in the chest, you know, get knocked down to the ground in an awkward position and experience a lot of physical pain, which leads to a lot of emotional pain. And it's, you know, Mike, uh, it, the thing is, who can make quick decisions that are the right decisions under duress? It's not just about intelligence on a Wonderlick test. What, what one quality does a quarterback, what, what will... What thing or one thing will make you say, I'm out on this quarterback? I'm out on him. Uh, I, I, I'm moving on. What, what, what's the one thing that if it's a red light, you see it, uh, this one category that I don't like this part, I'm out on this quarterback. Is there one thing that absolutely disqualifies a quarterback well, for you? It's not one thing. I think it's a couple things, Mike. It's leadership. If they lack leadership, if they lack dependability, a player who's going to turn the ball over a lot, and not learn from those mistakes. So I think it's leadership, dependability, and accuracy are the couple of things that are most important to me. And if they're missing, if they, are ha- if they have an enormous gap in those things, that's a problem. Now, dependability is a, is a big thing. Some people can become more dependable with the football, but 
when I talk about dependability, I'm talking about overall dependability as a human being to the team, to the organization, to their teammates. I'll give you two. Scott, tell me if you agree with these that guys who are considered quarterback guys have given me. Number one, Mike Holmgren told me that the quarterback position is the worst scouted position in the league by far. Do you agree? Um, yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, the only thing that's making me hesitate is wide receiver has been pretty bad, too. Bill Walsh told me that in an interview that ac- quarterbacks cannot be taught accuracy. You agree with that? I agree with that. You do? Okay. They, so you, it, 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 but they're, never, they're, they're either accurate or they're not, right? So, so if they're not accurate, you don't expect them. If a guy is not accurate, you don't think he's ever going to be really accurate, right? Correct. Correct. Okay, so but you buy accuracy is different in different levels, Mike. As forgive me for interrupting, but there's right there's the short accuracy, there's the intermediate accuracy, and there's a the deep ball accuracy. Um, I think those things again, you either have it or you don't, um, because part of it is an ability to throw and and being thoughtful. You know, again, one of the guys I I thought I knew accuracy and I understood accuracy. I saw at at a, at a level. When we drafted Brady, um, I saw it on a level that I had never seen before consistently for a long time because there were times where people thought he was making bad throws. But if you spent time and watched him in practice on a daily basis, before practice, in pre-practice, post-practice, and in practice, he put the ball in, intentionally in awkward spaces or awkward spots where only his receiver could get to it. So that's, you know, sometimes when people say, oh, that ball was low. Well, that ball was intentionally low because it was away from the defender. But accuracy is critical, and you can only improve on it so much, Mike. Where Brady went in the draft, we'll leave him out. He's a freak of nature. He had, you know, he had improved so many things, including his body, which we've gone through. Three guys who had it in college, who the pros didn't love, who have all turned out to be great players. Drew Brees, mm-hmm. Joe Montana, Russell Wilson. Why... Did they not, what did they not like that they saw? Was it just that they weren't big enough or arm strength? And that's what kept them from loving these guys, and they all turned out to be top players. Well, I, I would say you just hit on two things, Mike, that turned a lot of people off. Size, right, because people loved, especially when they came out, the prototypical size. Russell Wilson's a little bit different era um, where size became, started to become a little bit more acceptable, so a smaller stature. But I think size... And people get seduced by big arms, right? We, it's, like, it's like everything in America. We like right. big, right? You right. Know, we, want, we, want the long, we love the long ball. It's, it's, it's a similar thing. People like big, strong arms, and they become seduced by that sometimes and don't think about it. Here's what I'll say is, you know, two of those quarterbacks I got to see in practice. I'll never forget my day at Purdue when Drew Brees was coming out. They had two leaders on that team that were beyond – they were remarkably special, and that was Drew Brees and Matt Light, who was their starting left tackle. There's a reason that they went to a Rose Bowl that year. I, I can't remember. I don't think they had been to the Rose Bowl since Bob Greasy was the quarterback. Um, Drew Brees's ability to lead genuinely, authentically, to get people follow him, he and Matt Light were, were two of the best college leaders that I've seen on a football team. But... Um, I think you, you, know, you bring up some of the stuff, Mike, that, that, that's important for quarterbacks. People get distracted by some of these other things. Because you think about those three guys in particular, too, how, all of them were really smart. All of them were smart and made good decisions, and they made good decisions under duress. And they were accurate. Um, 
We're talking with Scott Pioli, of course, at the draft. Scott, um, Daniel Jones. Now, I didn't, I have to admit, I never had a real opinion on Daniel Jones. His name didn't come up that much before the draft with the Giants. I hadn't seen a lot of him in college. I saw him play well in a bowl game. I hadn't seen a lot of him. I didn't really have much of an opinion. I never thought he would be drafted that high, I have to admit. And then he gets picked where he does. What was the prevailing thought on Daniel Jones as he went into that draft? Was it a shock where he got picked? Uh, I think some people were surprised. Um, I, I think it was a mixed bag, Mike. And I think that there were a lot of people, a lot of the league were very, you know, a lot of people, a lot of us were very intrigued by the player because of his skills, because of his tools, having played under a coach that has had history uh, with quarterbacks, with top quarterbacks. That coach's belief and feel in what the player was and was going to be. You know, and I, you know, I look at this, and I, I, so far in the small sampling that what we've seen is we've seen a guy who plays really well, right? Or in terms of he has he has one thing that isn't very attractive right now, and that's the turnovers. But he has good athleticism. He can throw the ball. He's accurate uh, for a rookie player. His accuracy was good under duress. He did. He was under quite a bit of duress. There's a lot of encouraging things. The most important part of this is. Is you know we're hearing really positive things publicly um, about him on and off the record coming out of the Giants, you know, out of the Giants. And what we know is no one knows the quarterback. The quarterback position is different than a lot of other positions. Everything that's coming out and that people are saying about him as a player and a person and a leader and his upside is really encouraging. So those of us who only got to see now, again, he was a player that I did not sit down and spend time with prior to the draft. Um, he's not a guy that I got to know. I did watch his tape. We didn't go that deep into it because, you know, that was my final draft uh, with the Atlanta Falcons, and we were focused on um, other positions. So we knew he was going to go earlier before he was going to be a factor for us. So you do a little bit of work on a guy, you don't spend a ton of work. But all of the things are there. He has all that's required for him to be a good NFL quarterback. I'm talking with Scott Pioli about the draft. You know, two things. There's a, uh, I'll get to both positions here. There are two big positions, and we'll do more next week before the draft, but there's offensive tackles of which the Giants may be taking one of four, which we know. Uh, it's going to at least come up. Um, I'll go to another thing that I was taught. This one by your father-in-law. He always told me the thing he wanted most in an offensive lineman was flexibility. That was the most important thing to him about an offensive lineman as a prospect. Um, these offensive tackles, can you separate them at the top? Uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of debate as to which one's the best. Uh, can you separate them? Do, does their edge matter to you as to whether they're tenacious or you're just looking for size and power and flexibility out of these guys? And do you agree yeah. about flexibility? I do agree. I don't know if I believe it's the most important thing, but I think it's, again, I... I have difficulty ever saying that this is the one most important thing because I think that you, you, you know you eliminate limit yourself to to other things that are important. Um, but that's not a, just, that's not something fans think about in 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 a player is flexibility, correct. which is very important in an offensive lineman. Absolutely, and I do agree it's very important. Again, I. As you asked me about the quarterbacks, what is the one most important thing I can't live without? I, you know, I've got to give you a group of things, and I right. think it's like anything in life. If you just say 
you, you can only live with this or that. All right, how about you, scout, scout and, uh, and offensive tackle? Scout and offensive tackle? I absolutely want toughness and I want intelligence. I don't think you can play with players that aren't smart and that don't make good decisions, particularly at the tackle position. Um, athleticism is important, but to me, it comes down to toughness and intelligence. And, you know, I look at this draft, and I think you're looking at a number of players that are a different, you know, they're, they're in different spaces. Like, to me, I, see the, I think the player that I see with the most upside that I'm most intrigued by, that I'm really encouraged by, is Tristan Wirfs from Me, Iowa. too. I don't even think it's close. I, I don't even I, – I, to me, he's better than all of them. I, I'm not, and plus, I like that he came from that school, too. 100%. And, you know, I'll say this, too, Mike, and people immediately jump to, ah, oh, it's because he's a workout warrior at the at, – at the combine, and that's not why I like the player. You know, I know Kirk Ferentz very well. I know Brian Ferentz very well. I know that this player has been coached on technique and fundamentals, and he knows how to play. He's been coached hard. He knows how to practice hard. He knows how to play hard. The other thing about this guy is he has history as a high school wrestler. He was a state champion wrestler in a state where wrestling is pretty darn good, and I've always had an affinity for wrestlers because wrestlers have this most wrestlers – that our top wrestlers have this, they have this ability to focus and this degree of mental and emotional toughness that separates them from many other athletes. The other thing that wrestlers have is they don't spend a whole lot of time doing weightlifting. They are constantly lifting, throwing, torquing, using their bodies in a leverage way that is unlike most people now. People do get special trainers to get core training. Guys that are wrestlers have strong cores, and this guy has the ability to throw, push, and torque bodies and people and things that is very unique because of his wrestling background. Oh, by the way, he was a pretty good you know, weight thrower um, in track and field in high school. So those things are important to me. I mean, do I, do I respect um, Becton's size and ability and his athleticism for his size? You know, when I've heard things, when people say, oh, you know, the dancing bear thing, or he's right. such a great athlete for his size, well, sometimes people shouldn't be that size. Right, right he's too big, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. See, I, I, like, I think Wirtz jumps off the charts. And I want a guy to have a little nasty, too. I like that if he has a little nasty. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like that. So I agree with about him. And also, for Iowa, tight ends and tackles, there's a reason why you go there for that. I mean, they, they, they're good Absolutely. at that. They're really Absolutely. Now, let me give you one more for this week, and we'll hold the rest to next week. Wide receivers, there's a lot of them at the top of this draft. That could have packed the Jets at 11. You want the straight speed guy, which is Ruggs. You want the athlete, which is Lamb, or you want the route runner, which is Judy. Which one, or is it depend on which one has the combination of all of the three, or do you want the straight burner? They say Ruggs can run like Hill. Lamb's the athlete. Judy, uh, Judy's the, the pristine route runner. Which one you like of, of the three of those guys? Well, I think it depends on who my quarter, uh, I mean, who my coach is. Well, let's say you're the Jets. Is. Let's say it's but- Donald. Let's say it's Darnold. Again, we yeah. go back to what the coaches. Mike, here's the thing. When you, when you look at players and you say, I want this player, he's the best player, I think one of the mistakes that teams make or, or let me back up here. The general manager's job, the player personnel director's job is to find the best player for the coach and the coaches, right for the system, the for the si- best player right. for you guys is not the best player for the next guy. To know, right to right. know what's best for Adam Gase again, and, right. and that's the thing. The right. fact that Joe Douglas has spent time with him and now has a full year with him, I think that's really going to help. But Joe Douglas 
has to have spent a ton of time with Adam Gates to know specifically what is the most important part of your passing game. Right. What do you need? Do you need someone to take the top off? Do you need a guy who's a short and intermediate guy who's, who can break someone's ankle, who has to be the guy who's going to catch 90 balls in the, the underneath and the shallow crossers? What do you need? What well, let me ask it this way then. Which one is the hardest to find in a receiver? The, the blazing speed like Hill has, which is what Ruggs has, the athletic ability that the Lamb has or the route runner that Judy is, what's the hardest to find in a receiver? I think the hardest thing to find is a guy who has blazing playing speed and toughness because you can't have one without the other, Mike. These players that have have rare speed, right, like Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is rare because he has – he has incredible speed and incredible quickness. He's incredible quickness. He, quick. Not only that, yeah, he, he's not just fast. He's quick. He's immediately exactly. fast. He's immediately fast. Absolutely. And that's what scares guys because that is tougher to defend. Because I so agree. I agree. Player, but again, Mike, you can get guys with physical tools. To me, it's not just one tool because you can get a guy who's fast. You can get a guy who's quick. But it, they also have to have this degree of toughness where they're going to go after difficult balls in difficult situations because they're not going to be able to run away from everyone. And again, there's a lot of guys that are fast. Well, can can that fast receiver get off the line of scrimmage against press coverage? Now, it's not as much press coverage, true press coverage in the league as there used to be, but if someone finds that to be a weakness, people are going to exploit that weakness. Are we going to be able to get this guy off the you know line of scrimmage to use it, use that strength uh, of, his, of incredible speed, or we're going to have to put him in motion every time because he can't get off of a press corner? So. Again, the speed has to come with a degree of toughness, Mike. Interesting. Very interesting stuff. Uh, we'll do more next week. Thanks very much, uh, Scott. Uh, have a very happy Easter. My best to the families. Be safe, and we'll talk next week. Thank you. Thank you. Happy Easter to you, too, Okay. Mike. Please stay safe this week. Thank you. Scott Pioli, back after this.